everyone. Welcome. 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 It's Thursday at the four o'clock Eastern Standard Hour and you know what that is. Beyond Small Talk time. Welcome to Beyond Small Talk. My name is Jackie Janik and I'm a women's empowerment coach helping women uncover their purpose and define their own path in the world. And today you are watching Beyond Small Talk. Real women, real conversations, elevating womankind one talk at a time. And today we have a hot topic and it is talking about navigating the business of people. Now, what the heck does that mean? So fortunately, we have a dear friend, Courtney Underwood at uh, Kassar Consulting, at Kassar Consulting. Sorry about that, Courtney. And we're going to bring her on to help us figure out what does it mean to navigate the business of people? I mean, I know I could use some help navigating people. Um, and I'm thinking the Beyond Small Talk audience could as well. So quick on Courtney. Courtney is an HR alignment strategist, helping entrepreneurs build and manage their teams, navigating the business of people. Really cool tip is also these tips and tools can also be applied to other relationships, family, friends, etc. So if you're not an entrepreneur, it's cool because we still have you covered. And as a multi-passionate mompreneur with a thriving business, seeing the positive in challenging situations is essential. At Kassar Consulting, Courtney teaches entrepreneurs how to set themselves free by building a team. Yeah, teams are essential. Like you need a team. I need a village. Five and I need a village to raise me. So I'm excited to have Courtney to help us navigate the business of people. So as Courtney comes on, um, think about in your life, where do you need to build a team? What would you like your team to look like? And how do we navigate people? Hi, Courtney. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Great, great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, welcome. I love your frames. They look great. Thank you. Thank you. They're definitely a favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I, my day job is in eyewear, so I always notice people's eyewear and like just I look a lot into people's eyes just because I'm always looking at their frames. Anyway, well, thank you for joining Beyond Small Talk. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited for the opportunity. Yeah, this is going to be a good conversation. And I'm excited to dig in because I just love the title of navigating the business of people. Now, what does that mean to you? When I think about navigating the business of people, it really connects the dots between who people are and the vision that you have to accomplish, right? Because no matter um, how big your vision is, no matter what kind of company you have, the size, the industry, whatever, you're going to have to work with people at some point. So when you think about navigating the business of people, it's really about making sure that you have the right people in the right position at the right time. Because if any one of those things is not aligned, then you're going to feel it. You're going to feel that something's off. And so it is essential that you master peopling, right? That you master management in order to get where you need to go. So that's what it means to me. <laughs> I'm just laughing because you're like, at some point, you're going to have to deal with people. <laughs> yeah. It's just going to happen. I mean, even if you any time at any place in any point of your life whether at work at home in a family maybe you have no family and you walk into a store and need to buy something even calling customer service every point of someone's life they're gonna have to deal with people it just is 
that's a reality of being a business owner. And honestly, like you said earlier, these principles apply to different types of relationships, right? So whether it's friendship, family, romantic, um, connections, it's really about um, being an effective communicator, being a great listener, and um, being able to tackle challenges head on, right? So I'm sure that we'll get into what it means to have those challenging conversations, but it's a people skill, right? That you'll need to master in order to get where you need to go. So I'm, I'm super excited to get into it. Yeah, I, I, what popped out of what you just said to me is, especially for leaders, can le- well, I know that, I think I know that, leaders, can they be both really great listeners mm-hmm. and communicators, right? So sometimes you find that a leader might, or a manager or somebody mm-hmm. in your organization, maybe one, but how do we embody and take on both of those skills because I think they're both equally important if you're mm-hmm. any, if any leadership managerial role. Yeah, yeah, it is entirely possible to be both um, an effective communicator and a great listener, because if you think about it, effective communication is rooted in listening, right? We want to make sure that we're listening to understand and not listening to respond. Those are two wild things, and I'm sure that you've experienced it, right? You know, um, when you're pouring out your heart or pouring out your vision and the person on the receiving end, it's really just um, going into their response. Right. They're preparing their bullet points. They're preparing their argument and (laughs) doing these things. And you feel the disconnect. And so we don't want to sow those seeds. We don't want to be that type of leader. So um, when you think about effective communication, whether that's speaking or writing or, you know, however you're getting your message across, it is important that you put equal weight into being a good listener. Um, They both matter and it's possible to be both. Yeah, I think I, I'm working towards being both like I'm, I'm mindful about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's of course being a coach, I think listening and being a soundboard and reframing is like, a, a, obviously an essential piece in coaching. And I just want that our listeners to know that if you're in a managerial position, or anywhere else, even in your relationships, romantic friendships, it's always important to listen and be present in the in the moment and not like you said, just be prepared with an answer. It's like, it's okay. (laughs) One, even as a manager, or a leader, I feel like you don't have to always have the answer, right? That's a big one. That's a big one. A lot of us, you know, when we're in a leadership role or a management role, we feel that we have to be on all the time, right? We feel like we have to be the one with the solution in the moment because people are coming to us for answers. But one of the most effective responses you can give is, you know what, I'll look into that and I'll get back to you. The important part is you want to make sure that you follow through and actually do get back to them. But you have to relieve some of that pressure off of yourself because then, you know, you can give the wrong answer in the spur of the moment just because you don't want to look you know ill-equipped and that actually causes more damage right because if you keep doing that over time people won't believe your first response you know they'll say "Eh, yeah that's what you're saying today but (laughs) after you look into it that's subject to change and um so it's actually more effective to just be honest and say you know what i don't have the answer right now but either i know who does have the answer or i'll do some research and get back to you and you have to be subtle with that you know it's not a chip away at your confidence it's actually a confidence booster because you're being genuine in the moment. 
Yeah, I think the same thing. And I don't know when it started that managers or leadership roles feel like they need to know everything. Like there's no way that one person could possibly know everything. And like you said, it just is more authentic. And I appreciate when somebody who's in a leadership role for me, I mm-hmm. ask a question and I rather than say, you know, like what you said, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, it just feels better too. And it also builds trust. Like, right. It builds that trust that if you tell me, you know what, I don't know in the moment, instead of making up some cockamamie and you're like, whatever, we're wasting time. So getting back to navigating the business of people and building, because you talk a lot about like building your team and we'll focus on as an entrepreneur slash uh, professional. That's okay Mm -hmm. now. But just like we, I mentioned in the beginning, everyone to know that these tips and tools and skills can translate. So it can work in different areas of your life. So mm-hmm. how do we do this? How do, how do we start building our teams? Well, the first thing is you have to have a very high degree of self-awareness. You know, when people start to build out their teams, you know, entrepreneurs, managers, leaders, you know, even thinking about like the head of household, right? Your support system, building out your team. You have to know what you need. A lot of people focus on what we call the technical skills, whether they can do the job or not. You know, either they have it or they don't. Either they have the training, the experience, the expertise, or they don't. But you have to go deeper and think about about what we call soft skills, which are personality traits, how we interact with one another, how we behave. Do you need someone that's patient? Do you need someone that's organized? Do you need someone that's flexible? Do you need um, someone that is aggressive in the right way, you know, assertive, right? Um, So when we think about, you know, building, we have to look beyond the superficial, whether they can do the job or not, because you can have plenty of people that are qualified to do it on paper, but that doesn't mean that they're a good fit for you. Um, So that's the first step, you know, doing an inventory, thinking about how do I lead? What's my working style? What do I actually need? You know, um, a popular thing to outsource, you know, when we think about entrepreneurship is the math stuff, right? The finance stuff, the Mm. (laughs) numbers, right? But okay, yeah, you can hire a bookkeeper, you can hire an accountant, you can, you know, hire these people. And that's great. But what do they need to be patient? Because math isn't your strongest suit. um, And you lose track of receipts easily. Do they need to be assertive and negotiate with your vendors and, you know, make sure that you're getting the best prices? Do they need to be organized, right? And actually um, take on some of that expense reporting and, you know, things for you. So again, you have to go deeper because you can have plenty of people that are qualified to do the job, but that doesn't mean that they're right for you. So that's the first step, um, being self-aware. That is so good because I say that during my day job, not Mm -hmm. this, during my day job, I am a director of marketing and I'm looking to hire somebody. And I always, and I say, I need to, even in my interview questions, how I start out is Mm -hmm. not going over those hard skills. Like I need to know their personality. I need to know, will they fit and mesh in the department? Will they mesh with me? Right. It's like, I think of those things because I say I can teach some skills. I can't teach a person personality right and and I think in marketing uh, specifically where my day job is we are very relationship building and we're kind of people that can pick up on social cues and you know you're just like you know that kind of person you're outgoing you're those kind of traits that I need um, know how to have a conversation even if you don't know anything about the topic 
I'm kind of good at that. Like I can figure out how to talk to someone when I have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah, that's a skill. Yeah, <laughs> that's a skill. Yeah, did you know in marketing can you do a, an Excel spreadsheet? I'm sure thousands of people, millions of people can do an Excel spreadsheet. Can you, you know, whatever the skill may be, the hard skill. I like that to differentiate hard skills, soft skills, and know what you need for your team. Yes, yes, that is absolutely the first step. You have to be self-aware because a lot of people make the mistake. You know, they hire the person that's most qualified on paper, but it doesn't mean that they're the right fit. And that's how you end up with, you know, just crashing and burning, right? Because the relationship itself isn't successful. It takes so much more than just uh, simple, you know, yes, no questions. When you think about what qualifications uh, really matter. So that is the first step. That's how you really start building your team. And again, that can translate to um, building your quote unquote team personally, right? If you think about building out a support system, as you think about building out your network or friends, what type of quality traits do you need? Do you need someone that's going to be assertive and hold you accountable when you say that you have goals? Do you need someone that's compassionate and can be supportive um, and will listen, you know, to you vent and figure things out on your own? You know, you have to to know because a lot of us you know make the mistake of going to uh the listeners when we want a fix and we go to the fixers when we want somebody to listen and those are two different things right so um, we want to make sure that we get that right and we're honest with ourselves about what we need exactly i my daughter is autistic and i was just on mm -hmm. a, a workshop with the states the other week and they talked mm -hmm. about circle of support cls they kept talking about your circle of support right mm -hmm. i was like oh my god this applies here it's like what kind so i'm looking for one specific thing for her and i mm -hmm. think what kind of person will mesh and fit with our family and with mm -hmm. sophie's you know um type and level and needs around mm -hmm. autism so i guess yeah this can be applied anywhere like being like super self-aware of exactly what is needed in that area that's awesome um do you have any more tips oh of course <laughs> can you oh, share goodness. can you share another one <laughs> This pick your brain. I do. Yeah, I have plenty of tips. I would say okay. um, the next one is that you should have a clear picture of what success looks like. Um, a lot of times we tend to, especially in business, we tend to hire kind of out of desperation. We're like, oh no, you know, all this work needs to be done. And um, so we hire reactively instead of proactively. But then we don't build out what success looks like for the role, right? We'll, you know, throw mm. the throw the new hire in the deep end of the pool without any regard to what the future of that role can look like, what growth opportunities there are, what the overall impact is on the company. Um, we don't think about any of those things. We just think about firefighting, right? You know, like, oh, there's, you know, this burning building and we need to put out all of these fires, but we don't really paint a picture of what success looks like. And that's problematic because then you don't have anything to measure them against, right? And then you don't, um, you don't necessarily know whether they're making an impact or not because you haven't taken time to define what impact means for your business are you actually getting your time back are you making more money do you have more peace like what um does success looks like what value are they bringing to the table right yes they're doing and it could be more than do. metrics right like I, it can oh, be yeah. more than number metrics i think people sometimes think well success looks like oh they grew sales but if you're not in a sales oriented position like there's so many other positions that you need that I like that you're saying do I have more of my time back with them here 
Yeah. I think leaders and managers should really think about like their time is is precious. Like there's a yep. reason why you're in that position that mm-hmm. if someone could help, that's one of my biggest things that if one, you are able to give me time. Like I love people in meetings. I work with this one team and she sets it exactly. We're 2.15 to 3 o'clock, which I love, right? Mm-hmm. And we, we honor our time and whatever mm-hmm. ha- that's 45 minutes. If we end early, she's like, I just gave you 10 minutes. I was like, I love you. <laughs> like that is just such like a gift sometimes of time. So being one, again, self-aware to setting them up for success. Like what does that look like? And having the metrics that is more than just numbers, right? Yes. Yes. You should be able to feel the impact when you're making a hire, right? So if you're building out either your circle of support, right, personally, or making uh, investment in a new hire professionally, you should be able to feel the impact, right? You should be able to feel it um, both quantitatively, you know, so you should be able to measure it, right? The industry standard is three times the salary. So you should be able to see the return on your investment of three times what you're paying them over time. Um, but then again, and the time, sorry to cut you off. And the time, like, like, what is the industry standard of somebody coming into the position and like, and setting up that success? What do you think? I would say from, there's no industry standard because it really depends on the position and Mm -hmm. um, you know, the company itself, you know, there's a lot of nuances there Um, because there is a big difference in hiring task doers and decision makers. That's the second Mm -hmm. There's levels to hiring. So it's different um, hiring a COO versus an executive assistant. Um, Those are wildly different things. So you want to make sure that as you're thinking about the investment, what are you actually expecting to get in return? Are you expecting to get some of your time back? Are you expecting to get some of your mental capacity back? Are you expecting to um, be able to grow and scale and venture into new industries, launch new products? You know, what is the actual impact? impact of that hire because it is very easy to throw money at someone and think that they're the answer to a problem but they could very well be a band-aid because you haven't addressed the larger issue so you have to think about that beforehand to make sure that you're making the right hire right you can hire a whole bunch of admins but if you don't have any structure in your business then what are they supposed to do right (laughs) so you want to make sure that you're really building it out um so yes uh, when you think about task doers versus decision makers. Am I hiring a decision maker or am I hiring a task doer? They're both important, but you want to make sure that you're making that distinction um, so you can have a clear picture on what the return on your investment will be. That is so smart. I didn't think of it narrowing them down to task doers or decision makers. I kind of put this one thing together and sometimes it's depending on the level um, might be challenging for some people to be both if they haven't had the experience or the training or the education. Yeah, yeah. And so that's why when we're, you know, evaluating, we're screening our hires, we are thinking we already have a picture of what success looks like. We know that this person is doing tasks versus um, a decision maker. And that interview process should look different, right? Because you're handing off decisions, which have a lot more weight than handing off tasks. Like I said, they're both important, but they're not the same thing. So you want to make sure that you're making that distinction. Um, even when building out your interview processes. 
that's another one interview process I've been interviewing lately and I noticed that that's a skill within itself oh yes it is <laughs> it absolutely is uh, interviewing is a skill because obviously people are putting their best face forward but you want to be able to peel back the layers and really get to know the person and so when we think about um, how we really um, structure that conversation, right, to get them to open up, you know, uh, ask questions that will actually give you a picture of them working in the role. I feel like um, that's a missed opportunity for a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, when you're interviewing or leaders, managers, um, when you're interviewing, you're using it as an opportunity to get the note the person instead of um, actually picturing them in the role and their contributions to the role. Those are, that's not the same, right? You know, getting to know you conversation is worthwhile, but you want to be able to make a hiring decision based on how you think they'll perform in that position, not based on um, what you learned about them in the moment. So, when we think about building out our interview process, um, you'll have a lot more clarity and confidence if you're structuring the interview process with that goal in mind. So that's um, my recommendation when we think about interviewers. We have to think about it differently. We have to think about it differently. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, there's so many more layers here that I didn't really realize. And again, in my day job, in my nine to five, mm -hmm. I have hired um, some really I feel great hires because I tend to call myself a leader versus a manager in my position. And mm -hmm. I like to teach. I like to coach within the position. And I say, I lead people up or I lead them out. Like, and sometimes when you lead up, you lead out. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I'm totally okay with that. I've had um, two specific women under you know, they were millennials, they are millennials. And I just, it just feels so good when you work with somebody like that and you see their growth and then they were up and out. And, uh, and, and my company was like, people leave you, Jackie. And I said, they're not leaving me. <laughs> they're going to bigger and better things and I'm happy for them. So that's something different. Okay, so we are self-awareness, number one. Yes. I like to give, give three tips and then Picture what does success look like? We're mm -hmm. thinking about questions to ask at the interview process. And can we give one more tip? We have time. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I would yeah. think the um, last tip really coordinates with the second, which is you have to have a clear picture of how you're going to train the person. This is where a lot of entrepreneurs <sighs> This, it's it's such a big deal because otherwise you're not necessarily setting them up for success. You have to have a plan to transfer the knowledge in your head into someone else's head, right? Mm -hmm. So whatever that looks like, it should be structured. It should be intentional. Um, there should be a plan. So again, you can hold them accountable for their contributions to the company, but also hold yourself accountable to make sure that you are leading them somewhere, right? You know, to your um, earlier point you're leading them you're growing them you're investing in them but if it's done in such a random chaotic way then how can you keep track how can they keep track you know they don't even they wouldn't even know um how to measure their own impact, right? Because during, you know, this initial um, hiring, you know, those probationary period, they should be evaluating you just like you're evaluating them. But it's very, very hard to figure out whether you're a good fit for the company if 
everything that you've been given is just random. You know, again, you're in firefighting mode, like, oh, okay, um, we're not doing this anymore. Or you're meeting with this person today. Or I had a plan, but that all went, you know, to pieces. So now you're doing this instead. Um, it does not reflect well on you as a leader if you have no plan, no training plan, no onboarding plan. You know, you want to make sure that when you're bringing them on, you're bringing them into something. People want to feel like you've prepared for them and not like, you know, you're uh, just pulling someone down in the well with you, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's my last tip. Think about how you're going to train them and what does that look like? It's not saying that you have to have these elaborate policies and handbooks and documentations, but put some thought into it, you know? Um, build out time on your calendar. You know, are you going to sit down? What are you going to talk about um, during the first week, during the first two weeks, during the first month? Um, what do they need to know in order to be successful? Because again, you want to set them up for success. You can ask them to do things that you haven't trained them to do. And I see that happen all the time with managers because they're going a mile a minute, right? You know, they're overworked, they're burnt out. And then they ask the new hires to do something that they have no context, right? You know, like they don't uh, know where the task came from, what what um, impact it has on the larger organization, whether it's part of a bigger project. You know, you haven't provided any context, any history, any um, examples, right? You know, just like, hey, do this. Um, and it's so confusing and so disheartening um, because when new hires start, they want to contribute, right? You know, they want to. Yeah, they want to do a good job. Like, they're, yeah. like they're excited. Most of the time, people are excited when they get a new job. They want to show up. And then yeah. if you don't show up for them as well that could just start off really like poorly and like people want to feel welcome they want to feel a part of a team or a part of the family for a family company and it's yeah. and it's like when we say that and we're like we're true family we should welcome them like family but even in families you should be prepared and yeah. have some sort of plan so oh these tips are so good so can we give examples? Because as I'm sure some leaders, managers here, um, mm -hmm. entrepreneurs might be thinking, this is a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know. And like you said, most of the time you might hire someone when it's a fire, right? Where yes. it's like, oh, my God, there's so much. I got to do this. So if, if you're that person in that space, you're like, yeah. it's a fire. Now you're telling me, Courtney, I have to plan for, know what success looks like, put a plan together. What are the benefits of doing this? Even though, yes, maybe up front, it feels like it's more work. What mm -hmm. can you say that we would get out of it? Oh, my goodness. The first thing that comes to mind is accountability. And that is a big one. You know, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs that aren't necessarily sure how to hold their team accountable. You know, they don't want to have the challenging conversations. They don't want to confront um, performance, whether it's, you know, poor performance or, you know, just uh, this gray area where, you know, they delivered something and you find yourself picking up the slack because it wasn't what you asked for, right? So um, when we think about accountability, it is so easy to enforce when you've prepared for them. You've communicated what success looks like. You've trained them. Now it's so easy to hold them accountable, right? So it's not, um, you know, walking on eggshells and saying, oh man, I don't want to have this conversation. I don't want to. Right. It leads to a more challenging conversation. Now that you just bring that up, I'm like, oh my God, just a bell went off in my head because that <laughs> leads to like a really awkward, uncomfortable conversation. So yeah. for my department, I have literally an Excel spreadsheet and has all, the, 
I have a small department. There's four people. And in there, I literally list almost mm -hmm. every single task that I could possibly think of, right? Yeah. And I always say when they meet, we review all the tasks. We talk mm -hmm. about it, the feeling of the department. We all sit together. And I said, you know, there might be extras or we whatever. So, mm -hmm. and I remember saying why I do this. Now that you say that, I was like, oh, I'm glad I do this. Why I do it is so I don't have to have that uncomfortable conversation saying that I'm holding you accountable and you're not doing your job where they can be like, well, I didn't know that was my job. Or there's so many things that could come up that could be super awkward, but no, I always say, here it is. Here's yeah. your list of tasks. <laughs> In your three to six months, we don't check these off. We know the next step, right? You're yeah. either, you know, great job, we continue, we grow you, or you leave because you didn't do this. But I like doing that because, like you said, it's crystal clear. That's yes. the thing. Accountability yeah. and clarity and transparency. I think that is super important in this um, relationship, in the team building, transparency. Yes, those are the big ones. And so that is the biggest benefit, you know, so I'll just leave with that. It is so much That's easier, yeah, to hold people accountable when it's in black and white. Like, this is what I've asked you to do. This is um, where you didn't do it. So now here we are, right? Um, versus, oh, I didn't know that it was supposed to go that way. Or, oh, you didn't tell me about this part of the project. Or, oh, there was a bottleneck or a curveball that I didn't know about. So when we think about accountability, Accountability and just having those intense conversations it is so much easier when you've done your part to set them up for success. That way, if things fall through the cracks, then you've you can feel confident that you've led them well. So, um, yeah. Oh, I benefit. love that. <laughs> yeah. Because at first I was like, you were talking and I said, mm -hmm. I love everything. Yet I felt like I was having a little heavy on me. I was like, oh, mm -hmm. this is feeling a little heavy. And now ending it like this is the benefit you get out of it. Like it's, oh, yeah. it, it's outweighs the work like I yeah. just feel so much lighter and it's like wow you move mm -hmm. forward with more ease and efficiency versus being in this weird place of like are they doing the work are they not what are they doing like it's all like up in there thank you that was awesome yeah. thank you so much mm -hmm. and before we leave I talk a lot about on beyond small talk about self-care right so regardless of your position I think self-care is super important what do you do for self-care Oh, that's an amazing question. Um, I myself love the sun. I love being outside. You know, it's winter here in Chicago. It seems like, you know, the days are finally getting longer, you know, so <laughs> I'm very, very grateful for that. Um, but I make sure to intentionally invest in myself. So, um, you know, whether it's a massage, whether it's flowers, whether it's candles. Um, prior to COVID, I traveled all the time. That was my biggest hobby. And um, um, I've looked for ways to really replace that in light of the times that we're in um, with just new experiences. I love learning new things. I love meeting new people. So I found, you know, other ways to do that and try to mimic um, some of those interactions online. But it takes work. It definitely takes work because yeah, <laughs> we put ourselves on the back burner, um, you know, so often. And I want to make sure that I practice what I preach. You know, I talk about entrepreneurial burnout all the time and ways to prevent it and you know let people know that you don't have to suffer to succeed um so i feel like i have a responsibility to live that out and have a healthy balance um but it 
requires being intentional. You know, I put time for myself on the calendar and I honor it like any other appointment or meeting um, because if it doesn't go on the calendar, it doesn't happen. So that, um, yeah, goes for self-care as well. It requires work. Yeah. Thank you for that. You don't have to suffer to succeed. Listen up, ladies. Like, thank you, Courtney. That was, that's what we're leaving, uh, leaving with you don't have to suffer to succeed oh that feels so good that feels so good (laughs) thank you so much courtney this was a really beautiful conversation thank you thank you for your tips and tools and i hope everyone takes them apply them and if you want more information about all the teachings from courtney you can follow her at kasar consulting and at the website is kasarconsulting.com Yep. Yeah. As well. So go follow her. And Beyond Small Talk is every Thursday live. But if you miss us, not a problem. Catch us on your favorite pod, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or Audible. Uh, Download. Give us a like. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you. You too. Bye. 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 Thank you.